0: I got a text from Philip Treat. He had an interesting question for me about uh, a text in 1 John. And as I was studying it, I thought, you know what, this would make a good sermon. So if you don't like it, you can can blame him. That's where where this started this morning. So a couple weeks ago, I preached a sermon about contentment and discontentment. And the idea, the premise is that we are given the sense of discontentment Uh, inside of us because there's always more work we can be doing for God, more holiness we can find inside of ourselves, more effort to put into the service of God. And I think that is an important uh, teaching, and I think that it is true. Otherwise, I I wouldn't have said it. However, I think that like a lot of teachings from the Bible, that if we teach through just one lens, then we miss uh, some picture, some of the larger picture. And I think that uh, this teaching that there's always more we can do although it is true it can tend to lead somewhat to despair like how can i ever measure up how can i ever be good enough i'm always there's always more i can be doing and this morning i i want to preach kind of the other side of that the other truth which is that god doesn't call us to be a good Enough to, ever, to, to measure up. We can look at ourselves and we say, ah, I'm, I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to reach there. But what God does call us to do is to pursue him in faith and in trust. And so while we have a teaching that can sometimes lead us to despair, to think I, I'm, I'm never good enough to measure up, there's also uh, many teachings in the Bible. And this morning we're going to be looking at uh, the book of 1 John. Through the lens of assurance. Because I think that there are some people, especially I know uh, myself growing up, it was a a revolutionary idea to me that we could be assured of our salvation. That uh, the answer to are you going to heaven when you die could be anything other than, wow, I sure hope so. But I think that we see in the Bible, Paul had confidence. He says, when I die, I'm going to be with Christ. That is far better. And as I said this morning, we're going to be looking in the book of 1 John. And I believe that this is one of the main purposes of the book of 1 John... ...is to give his readers assurance, confidence. So he says in 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 4... ...we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. He says in chapter 4, verse 17... By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. In 1 John 5, verse 13, he says, I'm writing these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Finally, in chapter 2, we'll go back a little bit. Chapter 2, verse 28, he says, And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. This morning, the message that I have for you guys is simple, and that is that you can have confidence that in the day of judgment, you uh, can stand before God and that he will say, enter in, good and faithful servant. I hope that that is true for all of you. And John is going to give us four tests in the book of 1 John, four ways that we can know to make sure... That we can have confidence and if your answer to all four of these is uh, yes I am on God's side then you can have confidence in the day of judgment Uh, and what's what's interesting about John um, among other writers in in the Bible John has a very binary view of the world you are either in Christ or you are not in Christ you are either of the spirit of God or you are of the spirit of the antichrist uh, you are walking in the light or you're walking in darkness. And so there will be hopefully a pretty simple answer this morning to each of these tests. Am I here or am I here? And if we are on God's side, we can have confidence. And so, help if I turn this on. And so I want to talk about this confidence before God. And the first test that we can put ourselves through is to know that God's people listen to God and to his teaching. In First John 4 verse 6. It says, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. When Jesus came to earth, he was preaching a message. And some people listened and some people didn't. John tells us this in the first chapter of the book of John. The true light came, which gives light to everyone. It was coming into the world. He was in the world. And the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born <laughs> not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That Jesus, he came to his own. His own did not receive him. That uh, The Jews, by and large, when they came, or when Jesus came, they were not interested in hearing him. They thought, you know what, we're good on our own, we don't need any more of this. Uh, this is very similar to the teachings in Proverbs about the fool. That uh, the fool, he thinks he already knows enough, he doesn't, he's not interested in learning anymore, he's good. And if we are that kind of person, if we hear the word of God and we say, you know what, I don't, I don't really need that, I don't, I don't need to hear this, I, I'm good on my own then that makes you a fool. That makes you, in the words of uh, 1 John, back in 1 John 4, 6, not from God or part of the spirit of error. And so we need to be the kind of people that listen. And if you are, if you look at yourself and you say, you know what, I'm the kind of person that listens to the word of God, that I'm, I'm trying to understand his truth. I want to hear what he has to say because I know that I need it. If you're a listener, you can have confidence in the day ...of judgment. Second test, God's people obey. Of course, we know it's not enough just to hear. you got to do stuff about it. So, in 1 John 1, 1, starting in verse 5, this is the message we have from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light... As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. In chapter two, verses three through six, he says, by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly, the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. In chapter 2, verse 29, we're told, If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. And finally, chapter 3, verses 6 through 10, he tells us no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God nor is the one who does not love his brother. So, several passages here, but they're all saying the same thing. Slightly different wording. We've got walking in the light. We've got doing his commandments. We've got you know, being righteous as he is righteous. But all of these things are saying the same thing. That when God speaks, we've got to listen. When God tells us what to do, we have to do those things. And as we learn about God that he is pure, we must purify ourselves. As he is righteous, we must be righteous as he is righteous. No. Especially this section in chapter 3, it seems to set a very high standard uh, when you read that uh, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. You think, wow, uh, so bring, you told me this would be a pretty easy you know, break, good, bad. Now, I'm not sure I could say that I, have, <laughs> that I no longer am sinning. Well, that seems like a perfect life kind of thing, but I don't think that's what John is talking about. I don't think that's, that's quite, because no one has a perfect life. He tells us, In chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He also says in 2, verse 1, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now, John and I, we are not trying to in any way minimize the the danger of sin, especially sin that we are steeped in and staying in. But this idea of putting away sin, that we we are no longer walking in sin, is a a statement more of trajectory than of the single outlier steps along the way. That, of course, we are all going to fall. We are all going to choose selfishness at times. But it is walking with God. It is the path that we are taking. It is the direction we are going. It is the, the statement that I have put away myself. I am no longer interested in serving myself. I want to serve God. I want to do his will. That's my plan for my life. And choosing every day, whether we succeed or whether we fail in that day, that that's the direction we want to take. That's the way we want to be going. And if you can look at your life and you say, you know what? I'm not perfect, but I know that I'm trusting in God. And I know that that that's the path my life is going to take, that's who I want to follow, that's where I'm headed, then you can have confidence in the day of judgment that you will be on the right side. And if you are not, if you have sin in your life that you're not acknowledging, then we need to make some changes and work your life, change your life so that you can be one of God's people, a person who obeys. Third test, God's people love. Obedience and love are integrally connected in the book of 1 John. Uh, In 1 John 4, uh, we're told in verse 21 that this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. That The commandment is love. In 1 John 4, verse 7, we're told that that, uh, let us love one another for love is from God, Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So we, we understand already that the, the commandment that we just talked about obeying is love. At least that, that's the way that John chooses to describe it. And if we're talking about obeying God and you know, being pure as he is pure, then we also need to understand that we need to be love as God is love. He tells us in 2 verses 9 through 11, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother Is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not even know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. We also see in uh, chapter 4, verse 7 through 9, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this is the love of God. Uh, Sorry. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. Also, in verse 12, we're told no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. There's a beautiful thing in this verse 12 that no one has ever seen God. But if God is love and they can see God's love living in us, then we get to display the image of God to the world. It's beautiful. Love is the commandment. Love is who God is. Love is the kind of people we need to be. And so you got to ask yourself, am I a person of love? Am I doing love? This, by the way, not a new thing for John. In fact, John 13, we're told, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is the defining trait of a Christian. This is how the world is going to tell us apart. If you love each other, they're going to know you're my disciples. And so the world has a little bit of a fuzzy image of love. You know, love is tolerance. Love is, you know just roses and stuff, but how do we define love? Because if this is a, a, a test that we need to put ourselves through, do we love? Then it's important for us to understand what love is. Luckily, John tells us in John, First uh, John 3, 16 through 19. We're told, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's good... And sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are in the truth and reassure our hearts before him. He says, this is what love is. Jesus gave himself for us and we ought to give ourselves for others. Love is self-sacrifice. And when we see others in need, love compels us to help them. Because love, verse 18, is supposed to be not just talk, but deed and truth. It's like James' test of faith. You can't say you have faith if you don't have works. And in the same way, you can't say you have love if you can't prove it. If you can't point to things and say, this is my love manifested. And this I love in verse 19. He says, by this... With this test of love, shall we know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him? He goes on to say in verse 20, this was the verse that Philip texted me about. He goes on to say in verse 20 that sometimes our hearts are kind of fickle. That we, they, they condemn us when it's not necessary that they condemn us. And he says, God is greater than our hearts. He knows, he sees. And this test is the way that we reassure our hearts in those moments when we have doubts, when we are afraid, that we don't measure up. He says, this is the test. Do you have love? Do you have love that is active? And if you can point to things in your life and you can say, yes, I have given to the poor on my doorstep. I have given to that, that person in, my, in the church that needed help. I have shown real, concrete love. Now, obviously, as with all of these things, growth is an important aspect. And as, as I said in you know, my previous sermon, we, we can never be content with where we are. We've got to keep growing. We've got to keep pressing on and, and, and moving forward. But if you can look at your life and you can say, yes, I have shown love, then you've got love and you are one of God's people. And so, as we then go to our fourth test of assurance before God, how do I know that I am in God? We know that God's people confess Jesus. Here we see in chapter 2, verse 23 that no one who denies the Father, sorry, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. In chapter 4, verse 15, we're told whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. In chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, we're told by this, you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. So we see that a test of whether we are in God or whether we are not in God is are we confessing? Are we proclaiming? And this is not you know, the kind of, you know, oh, confession is good for the soul. Not that kind of confession. But uh, an act of proclaiming, of telling other people about Jesus, about the things that he has done in our lives, about who he is to us. When we are proclaiming to our children, to our wives, to our coworkers, to other people in the world, the truth about Jesus, and when we are living it out in our lives, that they can see the effects of the confession of our faith, Jesus living in us, the Spirit abiding in us, then they understand that we are of God. And we can be sure that we are of God when we are proclaiming, confessing, telling other people about God. And if we are undermining God's word, if we are telling other people falsehoods, if we are uh, misdirecting them in the word, if we are giving them false hope, as so many uh, false prophets in the prophetic times did, then we can be sure that we are of the spirit of the Antichrist. And we need to watch out for that. That's a, that's a serious indictment. But if John is trying to give us hope to, to those believers, we can look in ourselves and we say, am I confessing. And again, something we could probably all do better at. But is this something that we are doing? Is this the kind of person that we are? And if it is, then we can have confidence before God. I got two more verses for you this morning. In 1 John 5, verses 1 through 5, we're going to see almost all of these things repeated, really clumped together. These tests that John is putting us through. In uh, 1 John 5, he says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one that believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Here, we started about listening, hearing, hearing the word of God and saying, yes, I need that, tell me more. And so we're told in verse one that everyone that believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, that we are hearing, we, are, we want to know the word, we want to take it into us. Then we're told in obedience and commandments that in verse two, uh, that we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. And love is to keep his commandments in verse three. And, of course, we see here love and commandments and obedience tied integrally together. That God's people, they love each other. And God's people, although it's a little bit implied here, confess Jesus. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if that is the power that helps you, verse 5, to overcome the world, then you've got to be telling other people about it. You can't keep it to yourself. It's got to be something that we are proclaiming. This is the test. Look inside yourself, and if you need confidence, if you need to reassure your heart that on the day of judgment, God is going to accept you into his kingdom, then these tests are for you. These tests to look inside yourself and say, Am I in God or am I not? And if you're not, we got major changes to make. You have to take this seriously. But if you are, then you need to have confidence, you need to have trust, you need to have assurance. And so I want to start with the passage that I began with this morning, and that is 1 John 5, 13 through 15. And I want to end here because this is important to remind us, because confidence is a, a cool thing, you know, and in some ways in the world, it's a virtue in and of itself. But here, John tells us that confidence in and of itself is not the end goal, that we want confidence for two reasons, Confidence for two reasons. In verses 13 through 15 of John chapter five, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. So two things. First, we need confidence In eternal life. Because if we don't have that, all these uh, encouragements from the Bible don't have their full power. So many places, in, uh, in Peter, and in Hebrews, and in James, we are told that we need to have endurance. Because endurance has a perfect reward, a crown of life in heaven. That if we remain faithful unto death, that we will receive it. That there is a reward for those. And so sometimes this life, it beats us, it it hurts, it's terrible. But we know that we can endure anything and that it is just a light momentary suffering because we know we're going to obtain heaven. But if we don't believe that, like if you're looking at your life and you're like, I really hope I'm going to get to heaven. It's not strong enough, it's not good enough, it's not powerful enough in the times when, when life hurts, when it's difficult. And that's why we need this assurance, that's why we need this confidence that we know that if we are following God, we will be in heaven with him. That is our hope and that hope can only have its full power if we have confidence that it is true for us. The second thing here is that he tells us in verse 14, this is the confidence we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Our prayers also need confidence. I'll tell you, uh, throughout my life, and maybe this is just me being weird, but throughout my life, sometimes when I close my eyes and I'm praying to God, um, I'm in different locations. Uh, Sometimes I am just like, in the at just shouting into the, the blackness. There's just nothing. And other times, I'm at the throne of God. Like, I, I'm there. And in those times, I'm confident that he hears me because I'm, I'm right here. He, he's listening. And other times, in the, in the shouting into the blackness phases of my life, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying words. And I, I hope something happens. And that's why we need confidence. This is the confidence we have toward him, that if... We ask anything according to his will. He hears us. In these times when we don't feel our prayers are effective, we need confidence that God hears us. And to have confidence that God hears us, we have to have confidence that we are in Christ. And that's why we need these tests. To look into ourselves and say, am I following God? And if we are, then we can have confidence. Then we can know that he hears our prayers. We can know In the day of judgment, we will be received by God. We need this confidence. It is a blessing to us. And so let me just ask you this morning, do you have confidence? And if you don't have confidence because there's sin in your life, then you need to fix that. You need to work on that. You need to change that because you can't go on living like that. But if you are lacking confidence for some other reason, because your heart is... uh, is is a false witness against you, and it's telling you that you're never good enough, you're never going to measure up, then you need to quiet your heart and listen to these tests. And if you pass the test, then you need to have confidence in God and let that confidence give your prayers power, let them give your life power, because that is the confidence we are called to have according to the book of 1 John. So let me ask you simply one more time, do you have confidence? Thank you so much. We'll now be dismissed to class.